Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. The, the passage uh, I'll read that David's going to be preaching on comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. So I invite you, it's in your bulletin. Uh, also, if you want to open your Bibles, I would encourage you to look at that. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not give, invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or, or rich neighbors, uh, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with them heard these things, uh, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Uh, The first said, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I must go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir... What you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is God's word for us this morning. Amen. Thank you, Dave. You know, as I've been kind of sitting with this passage over the last couple of weeks, I began to wonder this question, how much joy, how much joy did Jesus have in talking about the Father? And how much joy did Jesus have in describing for people what the kingdom of God was like? How much joy did Jesus have Understanding that some people might have had an idea that, that God was strict and stingy. And he told a parable like this. I said, oh no, he's a, a God who hosts feasts of abundance. How much joy did Jesus have? And people understood, well, surely I couldn't be invited. And him telling a parable say, oh no. The invitation is much broader than you ever Imagine How much joy did Jesus have in talking like this? That he talks about the heart of his father, that his desire would be that his house was full. And the heart of the father is one that wants 
to feast. Think about that for a moment. Jesus shared what the kingdom of God is like here and now. It's like an invitation to a feast. But it's also about what God is going to do when all things become new. When the new heaven and the new earth, what's it going to be like? An abundant feast. And for all of us that, that wonder, is this only this feast only good for the good, the obedient, the religious? Well, this parable tells us apparently not. The people that we don't expect, even us, will be at this feast. People we do not expect, even us, will be there. See, Jesus got to paint a different picture, a real picture of what God was like, what God was doing, and what God is going to do. So as we dive into this parable today, let's remember at least these two things, that there will be a feast, and God's house is going to be full. Now, There's some ways that when we read or hear this parable that we might get caught up in some some details. If if we read this parable quite literally, many of us might pause. Because on the first surface, this sounds like a parable about who you're going to invite over to your house for dinner. Right? Is that what all this is, is about? Now, let's be honest, many of us might feel like we don't even have margin in our lives to invite people over for dinner. Between school, work, sports practices, club activities, or whatever, who has time to invite people over for dinner? And with that little margin, when you do have time, don't you want to invite your friends? And is Jesus telling us not to do that? Or some of us might have more margin in our lives. In fact, we've We've got time. We'd love to get out of the house, but the invitations never seem to come. Everyone else seems too busy. So what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying any of us that are planning a friends giving kind of time in the next few days, we shouldn't do that? Is he saying that any time that we want to invite somebody over to our house, we shouldn't invite our friends? Is that what he's saying? I don't think so. But I do want to notice something for us, you know, given that this is Thanksgiving week. That we have this ability, don't we, some of us, to invite people over that we might not, we know that they might not have another place to go this holiday. And every Thanksgiving I hear stories of people that, that do exactly this thing. And Kelsey and I have done it from time to time as well. But what I think that Jesus is also inviting us to is that he never mentions Thanksgiving here. (laughs) It was before that time. But I think Jesus is trying to create a community of people who don't just do this once a year. Now, a lot of us have this ability and there's something within us that creates this sense of being hospitable one or two times a year. But I think followers of Jesus are being challenged by Jesus to maybe do this in February or April or the summer months 
or some weeknight just because. So Jesus was not simply addressing who we invite over and telling us not to invite our friends, but what would it look like to be generous with our hospitality? Inviting people over and yes, looking for the unlikely guests. I listened to a sermon by Tim Keller preached many years ago. He's one of my favorite people that pastors me through his preaching and teaching. And he taught me in his message that that in the time of Jesus, inviting people over for a meal equaled hospitality and also equaled a certain kind of welcome and acceptance. Do you remember how Jesus was criticized by the religious people for eating at uh, other people's homes that were, that he was called a glutton and a drunkard? and a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Why? Because he went and ate with them. There was a social statement made by accepting an invitation over to someone's house. And and inviting people to a meal equals hospitality, equals welcome. And hospitality, the word literally means love of the stranger. And who's the stranger among us? Well, Keller, Keller says... Well, the strangers among us might actually be the people that are sitting next to you. Even if you say hi to them in the greeting week after week, do you really know them? So can we invite one another over and actually get to know one another better than we do those two minutes a week when we say hello? But also our neighbors. We live in a a time and in a culture, right, where a lot of us don't know our neighbors that well. Once upon a time, neighborhoods were different. People knew one another, especially if you lived in a neighborhood for a long time, you looked out for one another, you had one another over, you knew each other's families and all that, but the transitory nature of our society has changed a lot of that. Can followers of Jesus be the people that shift that tide back to actually loving our neighbor? And then Keller also mentions the needy among us. The love of the stranger means loving and inviting the needy within our walls. Keller taught something interesting too in, in, in describing the culture and the time that Jesus lived in. He said that Jesus lived in a time of what was called the patronage system. And, that what, and what that was was this, is that people's social relationships were usually based on certain classes. There was a hierarchical kind of society and, and that the way that you got things done in your life was to know somebody that was in the class right above yours. And so you had to know someone at the top or, or above you and you met with people and became friends with people who were higher than you, mostly so you could get something from them. And then other people that might have been above you in that social class, they were happy to know you if you could also do something for them. And it was through hospitality that you created these networks and that they were sustained and and grown, and that was what the patronage system was. You were going to get value in your life for having certain people over to your place for dinner or going to someone else's house for dinner. And I think through this parable, Jesus was saying to his followers, not so with you. Don't treat people like that. 
as a means to an end. Be generous with your hospitality. Invite the people that cannot repay you. Don't do it just to get ahead in the world. And Jesus is getting at the heart of the matter, that, that part of our heart that reaches out to others only for what they can do for us in return. Keller also mentioned that, that he points out that the poor, the maimed, the blind, they, they had to be brought to the feast. In the parable, the, the hostess says to the person, doesn't, doesn't say to them, hey, go invite them. He actually says, bring them. There's a purposeful language in that because social convention of the time was that if you accepted an invitation, you were also committing yourself to reciprocating that invitation at a later date. But the parable speaks and says, bring those who cannot repay. Bring them in. Compel them to come in. Friends, that's what God has done for each of us. We can't begin to repay what God has done for us. And he brings us in by his grace. He was compelled through his son, Jesus, to bring us to the feast, to bring us to the table, knowing we could never repay. We are the ones that are invited into the feast by the grace and the mercy of God. So, Keller's definition of gospel hospitality is this, is that we want to welcome people into our living space, whatever it is, an apartment, a condominium, a home, and treat the stranger as family, whether they be a fellow believer, your neighbors, or the needy, we treat one another as family so that some might actually become our friends. But tucked into this parable is tremendous news for all of us. As Dave read the scripture, you may have noticed that there was actually this statement from somebody that is at a feast with Jesus who said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast or eat bread in the kingdom of God. And it was that statement that that launched Jesus into this parable. So obviously there was an idea already present in the minds and the hearts of the people that Jesus was speaking to about this feasting. Where did that come from? Where did they get this this idea? Well, one place was the prophet Isaiah that Matthew led us in our call to worship. Isaiah 25 says, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare what? A feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces and he will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And just a chapter before this, Jesus said these words, that people will come from east and west and north and south, will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. 
Let's also remember this, that, that the, the people of God, the people of Israel, they had their lives organized by God around a series of feasts. Pentecost and Passover, the Feast of Trumpets and Tabernacles, Sabbath, unleavened bread and first fruits. Sometimes when we read those passages, they're so consumed with detail, we forget the fact that God said to his people, I want you to be a feasting people. Again and again throughout the the year were times of the community to come together and feast on the abundance that God had provided. God is a God of feasting, abundance, and generosity. And the promise that is tucked in here as well is that God wants his house to be full. He wants his house to be full of celebration. This parable, though, needs to be read through two lenses, I think. One, it tells us about the character and the heart of God. And what is that character and heart of God? He is a God of abundant feasting who wants his house to be full. But this is also a parable about our discipleship to him. This is a parable about how we follow and the things that keep us from following. Because if you heard in the parable, when the invitation goes out, all kinds of excuses come. There's a warning in this parable that we will come up with reasons when an invitation comes from God to say no. Or not yet. Or something's more important. In the parable, there are those for whom something else is more important than the feast. The invitation goes out, but people make excuses. And so the question for us is this. The question for us is this. What has God invited you to that you are making excuses right now to not join? What is God inviting you to right now in your life that you know it's from him? but you're coming up with all kinds of reasons why now's not a good time. It's not, you need to take care of this first. What business do you think you need to attend to? What issue do you need to resolve first that is keeping you from coming to the feast that God is offering? Now, we celebrated. It's a wonderful thing to see not as many kids over there, but there's a bunch of kids on this side and the, the giving boxes that the kids are spilling out of that basket. It's a great visual reminder of, of the young teaching us about generosity. And this is our annual commitment Sunday and we've been looking at the generosity of God towards us over these last several weeks. We've been talking more than just about being generous with our finances. We've been looking at the fact that God is looking to transform our hearts. You might remember the very first week we looked at becoming the kind of people who could even love those who are against us and lend without expecting anything in return. What kind of person could do that? 
We looked at our hearts being transformed so that it's not just about doing external acts like tithing or giving, but how our inner part of our heart actually gets changed in wanting to bless other people. And here we're looking at not just treating people to get something out of them or from them, but our eyes are turned to a gracious heavenly father whose heart is to provide an abundant feast and who wants his house to be full. So when we've come together like we have today, pledging our gifts, asking God to help us fulfill our promise to give, we join with him in wanting his house to be full. Can you imagine this place being full even more than it is now? With people of, of differing ages, differing socioeconomic places, ethnicities? Can you imagine this place looking like these verses in Revelation? Revelation 7, 9, and 19, 9, we hear the words of the Apostle John who wrote, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And in 19.9, it said, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you see this? That God has constructed his story in the Bible with feasting in the beginning, feasting in the middle, and one day a feast at the end. And his heart is that the house of feasting would be full. So friends, may Fremont, may Fremont be full. Rich and poor, young and old. Those who think they need no help. And those that need all the help they can get. Those that feel they have more friends than they can keep up with and those that feel they have no friends at all. Jesus is creating a community. He wants his house to be full. May we show the abundance and grace of God, the God who feasts, the God who wants his house to be full. Will you please pray with me? Oh, gracious God, we thank you for your heart, your heart for the world, your heart for us as followers of yours. Would you give us that gift of hospitality that reaches out to the unlikely guest, to the lonely, to the needy, to our neighbors, to one another. May we reflect your heart to the world and may we see you grow your house to be full for that is your heart. May we not make excuses but may we lean on the fact that you first loved us, you first were generous to us, 
And out of that love, out of that generosity, we can love and be generous to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit fremontpress.org. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 a.m. in the Sanctuary for Classic Worship and 10.30 a.m. in the Community Life Center for Modern Worship. You can catch the live stream of both services at fremontpress.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episode each week. Thanks for listening.